sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after, live right here on this Tuesday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Tons to get to here in hour number two. A busy day in the NFL offseason. What is Lamar Jackson's standing and status and future with the Baltimore Ravens. We'll continue to break down that ongoing and developing situation. Major League Baseball starts in two days. A new season. Hope springs eternal across the bigs. And we'll continue our deep dive into the home stretch here of this NBA regular season. But to start off our number two, then there were four. The final four is now also set in the 2023 Women's NCAA Tournament. And what a Final Four we have in store starting Friday in Dallas, Texas. The team that will be back in the Final Four for a third consecutive season, looking for their second consecutive national championship, the unbeaten and perfect South Carolina Gamecocks. Now a perfect 36-0 record as they march to Dallas. 42 consecutive victories for Don Saley's South Carolina team. However... It wasn't necessarily easy last night in their Elite Eight matchup against a national championship winning program as well in Maryland. However, South Carolina does win by double digits, 86-75. The Terps actually had a six-point lead following the opening quarter. And that is the South Carolina pedigree. That is the South Carolina standard that when they are trailing at any point of a basketball game, you say, "Uh uh-oh. Is this finally the time that Aaliyah Boston and Zaya Cook and the Gamecocks are knocked off? Nope. They still win by 11, but they do not cover as a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. So, speaking of Zaya Cook, she was the spark plug for South Carolina offensively in that first half. And Aaliyah Boston, the reigning National Player of the Year, records her 82nd career double-double last night. A big performance out of Aaliyah Boston in a really good matchup of two bigs as Diamond Miller for Maryland also puts up 24 points albeit in an 11 point defeat against South Carolina 22 points 10 boards for Aaliyah Boston last night we'll meet we'll set up what that means for the final four in Dallas on Friday night in just a moment but the last spot up for grabs in the final four was between two teams looking to get there One for the first time ever, one for the first time in three decades between Ohio State and Virginia Tech. The Hokies, a one seed on that one line alongside South Carolina, the only two remaining number one seeds in the women's big dance. And for the first time in program history, Virginia Tech continues their dance into the Final Four. A 10-point victory last night for the Hokies over the Buckeyes, 84-74. Va Tech covering as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It was a huge victory for Virginia Tech that entered this tournament with a plus-370 price to reach the Final Four. 
Taylor Mike Sell for Ohio State. One of the best three-point shooters you'll find in college basketball. Seven of 11 from deep last night, but not enough. Against Georgia Amor, who was one of the best guards in the country for Virginia Tech. She matches Mike Sell in terms of points performance last night, finishing with 24. So the Hokies on to the Final Four for the first time in program history. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after Live right here on the Spiz Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. The Final Four is now set for the 2023 NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. It starts on Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time in Dallas, Texas. It's Virginia Tech and LSU on one side of the bracket. It's the undefeated and reigning national champs, South Carolina in Iowa on the other side of the bracket. Here is where the odds stand currently to win that national championship. South Carolina entered as an odds-on favorite. The odds only grow stronger for the Gamecocks in the hunt for their second straight title, minus 310. Iowa has the longest price at 9-1. to So let's talk about that game. The nightcap on Friday night, tipping around 9.15 p.m. Eastern time in Dallas. South Carolina is a double-digit favorite. They have been throughout this entire tournament. It makes sense. They have won 42 straight basketball games. But if you're looking for theater, if you're looking for a marquee matchup in March, look no further than this game between Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes and Aaliyah Boston and the South Carolina Gamecocks. The second ever Final Four appearance for Iowa. South Carolina looking for their second straight national championship the Gamecocks have the reigning national player of the year in Aaliyah Boston Caitlin Clark will win in my estimation if she does not we're going to be very sad and disappointed the national player of the year award this season in college basketball it is a star and Iowa's team keep an eye on Monica Sonano a four-time first team all big 10 player down there in the post for the Hawks against a team that is otherworldly in South Carolina now, the first game up in the Final Four in Dallas on Friday night. Again, Virginia Tech in their first ever Final Four appearance facing off against the Bayou Bengals of LSU. Angel Reese and head coach Kim Mulkey. Now, Kim Mulkey has the pedigree, a national champion with Baylor at the helm of that women's basketball program. So that is what the Final Four has in store this Friday in Dallas. Now back to the NFL offseason. The latest with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore up next, live right here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What is the latest with Lamar Jackson? His ongoing contract conversation with the Baltimore Ravens. Brass and what the future holds for both Lamar and the flock entering 2023 and beyond. We try to answer those questions from both perspectives live right here on this Tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. I'm Ben Stevens, and we are very pleased right now to welcome on Baltimore Ravens team reporter, Melissa Kim, a great friend of the program, fresh off vacation her first day back at work was yesterday and at 10 48 a.m eastern time things got put into a tailspin melissa thank you for joining us here on this tuesday on the morning after 
Of course. Lamar just wanted to make sure I was on my toes right when I came back from vacation. That was basically it, right? Lamar was like, Melissa, I hope you enjoyed your time. You look tan. You look bronze. You look relaxed. Well, here we are going back into the NFL offseason with the owners' meetings underway in Phoenix, Arizona. So at 1048 a.m. Eastern time yesterday morning, Melissa, Lamar put out a series of tweets, a Twitter thread, where he detailed his perspective to these ongoing conversations with the Baltimore Ravens. The one that was most notable that caught everybody's eye that on March 2nd, Lamar Jackson officially issued a trade request with the Baltimore Ravens organization. So, Melissa, you were seeing this come out in real time, just like all of us. What was your initial reaction? Um, I was pretty shocked, honestly, because we had not up. We haven't heard from Lamar since he was injured during the season, during this past season. And to know that he had asked for a trade on March 2nd and then on March 7th, the team had placed the franchise tag tender on him, 32.4 mil. Um, and on top of that, uh, that in that tweet, uh, it was, I think, in a couple of tweets later, the part that really stood out to me was that the team, he said the team did not see the value in him. That to me, those particular words spoke volumes because that means that he's obviously put for, they've come forth with an offer and he hasn't liked any of them. I mean, most notably from we what we know, because these conversations have been very private. Eric DaCosta, in the last time that we heard from him, uh, the team's general manager, he said that they were going to keep these conversations private. They had a mutual agreement to not let any of the details leak out to the press or to the media. Obviously, that has changed since then. That was probably not even a month ago. And so from what we know uh, from our perspective, that Lamar did reject one of the team's offers. The latest one was a five-year deal, $133 million guaranteed, $175 million guaranteed with injury. So that was probably the best offer that the Ravens have put forth from what we can understand at this point. And Lamar has said no. And, you know, in these situations, we've seen this happen before, right? Maybe on a bit of a lesser scale for not somebody as high profile as Lamar Jackson. I think back to last season, Debo Samuel with the Niners, he scrapped his social media of all Niners stuff. And obviously that ended up working at a deal. With this team in particular, in the past couple of years that I can remember, tight end Hayden Hurst obviously had a similar situation where he wanted to be traded. Um, Hollywood Brown, most notably, uh, in the last couple of years, he as well, now with the Cardinals um, as of last season. So I know that a lot of Ravens fans right now want to hit the panic button and be like, all right, trade Lamar. But everybody just breathe. We just don't know how everything's going to transpire just yet. This is all just part of the process. Melissa, you have been on this show many times, whether throughout the regular season, a playoff run, breaking down actual football matchups for the Ravens and breaking down what it means against their opponent. You've also been here in the offseason. We have had some Lamar Jackson contract conversations in the past. For everybody out there to take a breath and maybe pause their judgments for a moment, how would you describe how this process has played out between Baltimore and Lamar Jackson? Look, I think the biggest, biggest criticism that Lamar is going to face is the fact that he's done all of this without an agent. That's probably been the highest criticism, that none of this would have happened had Lamar had an agent. Now, whether that is true or not, that remains to be determined. We don't know that for sure. However, I think that because of that, there hasn't been a lot of you know closed-door things that have remained closed-door, per se, because Lamar obviously wants to make a statement. Whatever has happened in the last couple of weeks, he isn't happy with it. So it's not a coincidence that he dropped that in, that tweet at 1048, right when John Harbaugh was about to speak at the NFL owners meeting in Phoenix. Definitely not a coincidence at all. And 
the part of it that kind of is unfortunate for John is that he's not really a part of these conversations. It's usually between Eric DaCosta, Lamar, and Steve Bishotti. Maybe not at all. You know, mostly Eric DaCosta, though. And so John was kind of caught in the crossfire there saying, you know, I love Lamar. I'm planning for this season as if Lamar is going to be our quarterback. Everything's going to work out. I have faith in Lamar. I love his character. Just, you know, praising Lamar in every sense of the war, every you know sense of his being, his character, his family, literally everything about him, and what a great fit he's been for Baltimore. So in John's mind, he doesn't know anything that's going on. He didn't even know about this tweet, and he's just like, let me tell you what I think. Unfortunately, from an outside-looking-in perspective, maybe not the best look, but you have to understand what the situation was at that point. And John Harbaugh was asked 26 consecutive questions surrounding Lamar Jackson when he took the podium yesterday to speak in Phoenix at those NFL owner meetings and he said the right things and there seems to be sincerity there so melissa you cover this you are around this organization virtually on a daily basis do you get the sense that for 2023 and beyond the ravens want lamar jackson to be their starting quarterback i do think that they do want him to be their starting quarterback everything that has been said from everybody that we've heard from, from a team perspective, has been the fact that Lamar is our quarterback. Eric DaCosta went so far as to say that we want Lamar to be a Raven for life. He has said that uh, in recent months. The tricky part is, is obviously that guaranteed money. I think that is where there's some disagreement. Um, that is what's been reported. And obviously, as we all know, Deshaun Watson's guaranteed 230 mil hasn't really helped anybody out in this situation because the way that NFL owners and general managers are looking at it is that that is the outlier. That is not going to be the norm. You look at the contracts that have been dealt after that for guys like Kyler Murray, for instance. So Lamar's looking at that saying, hey, you know, Deshaun Watson, not even a great human being, you know, off the field, didn't even play for most of last season. He's getting this much guaranteed money. I'm of, you know, I'm the 2019 MVP. I've taken my team to a playoff. I've won playoff games. I deserve that and more. Obviously, when Kyler got his contract, he's like, hey, Kyler hasn't even won a playoff game or won an MVP, yeah. and I got that. Like, why don't I deserve more? So I think that the guaranteed money is obviously where the disagreements are happening. And it's it's really tough to, I think, judge. Obviously, this is something that everybody can judge for themselves in terms of, do you consider Deshaun Watson as part of this group in terms of where guaranteed money, the standard is? Or is that the outlier? Obviously, that's what the owners are concerned about. They're concerned about guaranteeing a player that much money um, without even having played yet. So, yeah. And Melissa, I think that's really important context because, again, Lamar Jackson is a 26-year-old former NFL MVP who set league records during that 2019 NFL MVP campaign so as we look at the future of the flock the odds movement that we saw there reacting to Lamar Jackson's trade request and what he put out on social media has not exactly favored Baltimore so Melissa what do you think the ultimate conclusion is as you peer into your crystal ball for the 2023 NFL season do you believe Lamar Jackson will be a Baltimore Raven I think they have to get a deal done. I do believe that Lamar Jackson will be a Raven when it's all said and done. Again, this is all just part of a ne the negotiation process. This isn't the sale end all. Just because Lamar released that tweet yesterday saying that he asked for a trade doesn't mean that he's going to be traded. There has to be other teams that are interested in, obviously, acquiring Lamar Jackson and giving up whatever they're willing to give up, right? Obviously, the two first-round picks is a thing. But um, I think that Lamar Jackson will definitely – I'm confident that he'll be a Raven by the time we hit – regular season 
The 2023 offseason continues to churn on, and the focus, of course, will be on Lamar Jackson, those ongoing contract conversations with the Baltimore Ravens, and we'll figure out how all of this plays out. Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. Melissa Kim, the Baltimore Ravens team reporter, fresh off vacation and back into the offseason frenzy. Melissa, again, we appreciate your time and your insight. I think it's very important to give both sets of how this perspective plays out. Absolutely. And hey, nobody's talking about how they don't have wide receivers right now, right? That's kind of been swept under the rug. We're all focused on Lamar. And we are very much focused on Lamar. Melissa, thank you so much once again. Two days from now, a new Major League Baseball season is about to get underway. We'll take a look at the futures market in the league and some of those opening day matchups literally about 50 hours away. Stay with us here on the morning after on Sportsbook. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Let me check my watch here. Yes, just about 50 hours away. From the start of the 2023 Major League Baseball season, opening day is just two days from now. Welcome back to a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Because on Thursday, play begins in 2023 for a new Major League Baseball season. We get you set for all of the angles you need to know over these next few days. But live right here on this Tuesday morning with one of our favorites, Jim Saunas, back into the mix of number fire and FanDuel, joining us here for some early looks at a 2023 MLB campaign. Jim, as always, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the morning after. It is great to be here. And 50 hours, I feel like you're trying to like get my heart rate up here. Like, I don't know if that's a good thing, a bad thing. Like, got to check the heart rate on my watch right now. Feeling a little antsy. I think I'm ready because we finally finalized all the research or pictures for Thursday. But it's crunch time. So a little bit antsy. How you doing? 50 and a half hours, Jim. So you still Thank have you. another half that. an hour to kind of let the heart rate Stay low, get another cup of coffee into you, and then again, dive into those numbers because we have a ton of games all across the league on opening day this Thursday. Jim, here's some of the ones that stand out to us from that notable perspective. Right now, only money lines available. No run lines out there to favor either side. No over-unders for the games for how much offense or lack thereof we might see on opening day. Jim, as you look at some of these games that we'll see on Thursday in the afternoon hours and into the evening hours across Major League Baseball, what are some of the games you are most excited for? Yeah, I think the big one for me, at least, is it involves two of my favorite guys. Uh, that's the Phillies and the Rangers. You got Jacob DeGrom going against Aaron Nola. DeGrom, of course, in his Rangers debut, Nola, uh, in a contract year, which is kind of exciting, too. But, you know, DeGrom, I'm not sure how stretched out he is. He had that injury during spring training, so it's kind of pushed back his pitch counts. I don't expect a huge day from DeGrom in terms of pitch counts. That could be one thing to keep in mind. And Aaron Nola is, was one of the slowest guys in terms of his pace last year uh, among all starters. So it could be a bigger adjustment for him in terms of the pitch clock. And he talked about that during the spring, trying to ramp his way up. And he did struggle a bit during the spring. So looking at that game, I know it's a pretty high-profile pitching matchup. 
I kind of want to see what the total winds up being for that game. It is going to be in a warmer park. That's a good thing for sure in terms of offense. Also, may not see full DeGrom. Nola could struggle with the pitch count or with the, with the pitch clock, I should say. I think that yeah. game's kind of interesting. So in terms of the ones I am most excited about, that's probably up there. I do like the Marlins and the Mets. I don't see anything in that game right now. Uh, my numbers showing that uh, the market for that game is being pretty fair with where it currently stands. Uh, got the Mets around 54.8% to win. Uh, Marlins 45.2%. So not seeing a lot in terms of betting in that one, but I think the total for the Phillies and the Rangers, that one could be pretty fun just because I'm not sure where DeGrom and Nola are at as of right now. Expected to be a close game, at least from the money line prediction, minus 126 in favor of those Rangers at home in Texas. The Phillies plus 108. DeGrom, who has only made 38 starts in the last three seasons for the New York Mets. Health will be a huge component. And he was probably like, finally, Jim, out of the National League East. Well, here, welcome right. the Philadelphia Phillies to start off 20. 23. Jim, let's touch on something very quickly here. The pitch clock has been a huge part of spring training. It's been a ton of conversation throughout this spring getting ready for a new regular season in 2023. How do you think or what do you think the biggest impact is going to be on pitchers across the bigs this season? I mean, I think it's just kind of going to introduce more variance into it because we don't know how these guys will adjust to it. Think about Max Scherzer. He's a guy who's talked a lot about the pitch clock during the spring. He's a psychopath, so you'd think, okay, he can figure out the pitch clock, he'll be fine. But it also could be because he's a psychopath, maybe he has a harder time adjusting, getting into a different rhythm than what he's had for the past 20-whatever years it's been. So it could go either way, and I think that the way I want to account for that is introducing more variance. I don't know how it'll play out, and... Maybe someone out there does, but I don't. So I want to make sure I'm accounting for that in, in realizing there could be a lot more unknowns this year than what we've seen in the past. I also think that we could see maybe bullpens slip a bit in general. If you look at the, the pace numbers for pitchers, a lot of the slowest guys are relievers. So maybe they'd have a harder time adjusting to a pitch clock than other guys would. So maybe... If a team has the stout bullpen, maybe we can see it taking a step backwards. Maybe we see more runs later in games, betting live totals over and stuff like that. I think that's the big thing. If you're looking for an angle is maybe betting, you know, live overs because bullpens could struggle more so than the starters may. But in general, Ben, I think just approaching this as if we don't know how things will play out. And that just means more variance, less confidence in uh, the way we want to view things, maybe more upsets just because there is more variance than there would be typically even in a, in a volatile day in general, an opening day. And as we go through the ending days of March into April and May, that sample size will start to iron itself out. Jim, there is a ton of excitement for this new Major League Baseball season following the in ton or the ton of enthusiasm and excitement we had during the World Baseball Classic, where, of course, Team Japan victorious as the title winners for their third time in the five playings of the WBC. And the most outstanding player capping off the event with a strikeout of his Angels teammate Mike Trout. Of course, that is Shohei Otani, the 2021 AL MVP as well. Heavily favored here, Jim, to be that most valuable player in the American League in 2023 as the fourth shortest number to win the Cy Young in the American League this upcoming season as well. Jim, when you look at Shohei entering this make-or-break year with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, what is a fair level of expectation, if there is one, for Otani in 2023? 
Yeah, I don't think we can ever use the word fair in terms of expectations with Otani because it's unfair to to expect him to keep doing what he's been doing, but he keeps doing it. So at a certain point, we just kind of have to accept that that, he, that is what he is. And I think that my view of the MVP market, if I were a voter, and that's different from betting on it, but if I were a voter, I'd have a hard time betting against or voting against Otani any year where he is healthy. And I think that that's a fair expectation to go in with where you yeah. need Aaron Judge to break the AL home run record to unseat this guy as league MVP. So plus 220 right now, I think is a very fair number. A lot of times you'll see favorites get juiced up because people want to win bets. They want to bet on favorites, et cetera, et cetera. They want to bet on the big names. They don't want to bet on long shots that aren't going to cash for them. So you'll often see favorites be overvalued. I don't think that's the case here right now with Otani at plus 220. So when I'm looking at Otani, I can't quite get there to plus 220, despite the fact I think that it is a, a fair number because injuries happen. We can't see, um, you know, voter fatigue with teams, with people trying to get off Otani, trying to find a reason to vote for the other big thing across the American League. So I can't quite get there in terms of betting him. But it also does make me pretty unenthusiastic about this market in general. So I've not placed a single uh, AL MVP bet so far this year. I'm not going to, I don't think, unless we see some uh, fun lines during the year. I, of course, would look at Byron Buxton if you want to place a bet at 40-1 to because, hey, maybe, maybe he stays healthy for a full year. Never know what happens there. But honestly, I think to me, because of the presence of Otani, because of how good he is, because of how good I think he'll continue to be, I think to me, it just makes the whole market a statement, which is fine by me. I'd rather make a no bet than a bad bet. Uh, but if, I understand why that could be a bit frustrating too, for sure. You'll probably need some help from Otani, and then you might need history from somebody else like Aaron Judge, setting the AL record for the most amount of home right. runs hit in a single season. Judge, the second shortest price, but nearly $5 behind Otani at 7 to one. one thing the Angels have not done was Shohei Otani or Mike Trout playing together in the last five years reached the postseason. In fact, the Angels have not been a playoff team in nearly a decade, dating back to 2014. Jim, when you look at the odds to make the American League wild card right now, it doesn't seem like the Angels will be well suited to do that. And then certainly in the National League, not a lot of room for growth featuring the teams that made the wild card last year in the NL. Jim, are these prices even ahead of opening day a little bit too much in favor of these teams to get back to a second consecutive postseason? I think so, and especially looking at the the American League teams. You look at the the Rays and the Jays. I think both those teams are very good. The Rays specifically are a very highly rated team by my power rankings right now. So I like the Rays a lot, but you look at that division. It is the Yankees. It is uh, the Blue Jays in that same division. I think the Orioles are at least like interesting. I think that they're kind of fun. Plus one away in the money line for opening day with Kyle Gibson against Corey Kluber there. So the American League is very tough. The AL West for the Mariners. Also very tough. You have the Angels, who I think are improved. Maybe not like a playoff-level team quite yet, but they're definitely improved, and they're high upside. So I think the American League teams, they're a bit overvalued. I think the Phillies overvalued, too, uh, with the Bryce Harper injury. Sounds like he may be back earlier than expected, which is a good thing. Uh, but mm. it's still a really tough uh, division there, even with Edwin Diaz being gone from the Mets. So honestly, I agree with your assessment, Ben, where I don't really want to dive into those. I think if I'm looking at uh, playoff futures, I think the Guardians are a team I would turn towards, both because I think they're mm. going to be good overall, but also in that division, 
I think that they're the best team there. They're minus 150 to make it right now over at FanDuel Sportsbook. I think that's a very fair price. You could look towards the divisional market instead because the odds a this division gets a wild card, not super high, plus 115 to win the AL Central. I think that's also a pretty fair price based on how good they could be. There are going to be some stacked divisions, like the American League West, like Jim mentioned. The National League East will be that as well. We'll see how the injuries impact the three teams at the top, and the Braves, the Mets, and, of course, the Philadelphia Phillies. Quickly here, Jim. If you had to highlight one team that you had the most confidence in winning the most games in the regular season in 2023, which club would that be? I actually think the best price is the Guardians. Uh, they're 40 to 1 right now. And again, they're high in the power rankings, soft division. I think they're just an underrated team. So 40 to 1 for the Guardians, if you want a good value, I think that's the place I would go. And I think that it is a pretty realistic path as well. Jim Saunas helping us preview a new season in Major League Baseball. All right, now the heart rate ticks up a little bit about 50 <laughs> hours away from opening day. Jim, thank you so much for your time. More of the morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Less than two weeks remain in the NBA regular season. We have to set up the postseason push. We do that now on this Tuesday morning, on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome on Chantel Chand joining us here on TMA live on this Tuesday. Chantel, as always, thank you so much for joining us here for some NBA analysis and insight. Less than two weeks left in this NBA regular season. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. Of course, only two more weeks left and lots to talk about. The playoff right races are tight and also MVP race as well. So I'm sure we'll get into that. <laughs> and that's where we start. A missed MVP moment, perhaps last night in Denver. We had Nikola Jokic, his 29th triple-double of the season, but dealing with a calf injury, Joel Embiid unavailable last night for Philadelphia. Denver wins by 5, 116-111. They do not cover as a 7-point home favorite. The Nuggets have a three and a half game lead atop the Western Conference. Chantel Philly seems pretty set into that three spot out east. But how big of a bummer was this last night that to end out this regular season, we didn't get to see that head-to-head -head matchup of Joel Embiid going up against Nikola Jokic. I would probably say it's the biggest bummer all season long for the NBA because leading up to this game all we were talking about was this matchup and whoever would get the better out of this matchup would kind of have the edge for MVP but I think we have to go back against that matchup that they had earlier in the season when Joel Embiid bodied Jokic in that game right he had what a 40 point night and he went off on him but I think going back to this game the fact that he didn't play I think some voters might kind of lean over to the Joker over Embiid in this one and Jokic just mm. had a Jokic performance in this one a triple double and he's been doing it all season long you mentioned 29 triple doubles this season the closest to that is DeMontis Sabonis and I think he has 12 so the way that Nikola Jokic has played this season has been absolutely consistent but I think everyone kind of wanted to see this matchup to see who was going to get the better edge for MVP I don't think one game should decide it there's still a little bit of the season left so whoever finishes out the strongest I think will possibly win the award but there's a lot that goes into it and everyone has a different criteria for MVP as well 
Chantal, I think that's a great point because if you're not an NBA fan, you haven't been following along all season with the association, you might be thinking to yourself, what's the big deal? It's a Monday night game in Denver between two teams that are pretty much set where they are in their respective conference standings with a couple of games left in the regular season. But that's why it was a big deal because for the last few weeks, we've been highlighting this Monday night matchup in the Mile High City between the Nuggets and Jokic and the Sixers and Embiid. And because of one performance last night, Jokic recording that 25 points, 17 rebounds, 12 assists, triple-double, and JoJo being on the sidelines, that gap in the MVP race a little bit shorter on this Tuesday. Plus 105 for Embiid still remains the favorite. It was a minus money price, though, entering last night in Denver, and it's plus 120 now for Jokic. So over these final 12 days or so, Chantel, of this NBA regular season, how much do you think this market continues to move as it pertains to that MVP award? I think it's going to continue to move possibly every day, depending on how these guys kind of ball out and finish out the season. And we saw that line move last night and Bede was the favorite. You know, he was a minus 125 and... At one point of the season, people thought Nikola Jokic was running away with it. And we were like, man, he's going to win his third consecutive MVP. And then Joel Embiid was like, you know what? Maybe not. I'm just going to ball out this season, have a great March as well. And I'm going to be the favorite to win it. And my big question is, what's going to be the edge that kind of makes voters go one way or the other? Because if you're also taking a look at points per game, we know that Joel Embiid is leading leading the league in points per game. But is that going to give him the edge? Or is it going to be the fact that he could possibly possibly also win defensive player of the year. Now, when it comes to points per game, I'm kind of iffy on that because if you go back to 2006, Kobe Bryant was averaging like 36 points a game, took a smush Parker Lakers team to the playoffs and they gave it to Steve Nash and he wasn't even in top 10 in scoring. So what's going to be the criteria here? I think that line is going to move a lot, possibly every day up until we see the season end. It's a really good point. Individual performances on a nightly basis to end out these two weeks of the regular season. And the narrative is still there. Voter fatigue is a thing. Three consecutive MVPs for one man is not something the NBA has done very often. All right, now to the playoff race in the Western Conference. Must win, can't lose, regardless of how you call it. That's what the Mavericks had last night in Indy against those Indiana Pacers. The Mavs, a seven and a half point road favorite with both Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in the lineup and they get a 23 point road victory. So Chantel, after last night, Dallas still sits a half game behind both OKC and the LA Lakers for the nine and 10 spots in the Western Conference standings outside of that play-in tournament out West with the win yesterday in Indianapolis, Chantel, Will the Dallas Mavericks make the Western Conference play-in tournament? I think they will, and I say that just because we saw Luka Doncic's performance. I mean, you could possibly argue that he is the best player in the league. I still give it to Giannis, but I think he's going to will this team to the playoffs, into the play-in. It's such a tight race. If there's any team in that play-in or even in a team in the Western Conference that's possibly in the sixth place, if they lose a game, if you go on a two-game losing streak, a three-game losing streak, that all changes. It's such a tight race, and you go back to you know Kyrie's performance. He had 16-6, and six, 
but the Mavs had six players in double figures and scoring, and that's what they're going to continue to need to do throughout the rest of the season if they want to win, because we know the one thing for the Dallas Mavericks is defensively, they just don't have it, but I think they'll be able to sneak in just because that playoff race is so tight, and you know some teams are going to lose, but also got to give a quick shout out to OKC because I don't think anyone kind of really expected them to be there. No, not at all. The T-Wolves right now, Chantel, in that sixth spot. Looking on the outside, the Mavericks in the 11th spot. Those six teams still only separated by two games. Less than two weeks remain in this NBA regular season. There are odds right now on FanDuel for teams to just reach the play-in tournament. Not become a playoff team, but just be one of the four in that play-in tournament. The Lakers, minus 360. The Thunder, minus 330. The Pels, minus 230. The Mavericks, minus 185. The T-Wolves, minus 105. Technically, Minnesota wouldn't be in the play-in tournament today because they occupy the sixth spot, but there are five teams with a minus money price and only four spots available. Very interesting right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The team at the top of the Eastern Conference with a two-game advantage, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, at this time yesterday, Chantel, during the morning after, Milwaukee was a 17-point favorite. They did not close as that strong of a favorite on the road in Detroit against the Pistons because no Giannis, no Drew Holiday for the Bucks. But Chris Middleton, big. Brooke Lopez, big. Even big game B2B. Bobby Portis, a double-double as well. Chantel, we can debate maybe who the best team in the NBA is at this moment. Do you at least believe the Milwaukee Bucks, even without their main guys last night in Detroit, are the most consistent team in the NBA? They've been able to show it all year long. Let's also keep in mind that the Detroit Pistons were kind of like a summer league team as well. Jaden Ivey balled out. I don't want to be disrespectful yeah. here. But at the yeah. same time, Chris Middleton poured in 34 points. I think for the Bucks, the fact that, you know, they didn't play Giannis, no Holiday. You talked about no Crowder. They want Giannis Antetokounmpo to be absolutely healthy as soon as they hit that playoff stretch. So I think it's good that he didn't play. But the Milwaukee Bucks showed that they have so much depth. You talked, talked about Bobby P. Like, he had had a killer game as well Brooke Lopez there's so much depth on this Bucks team so I do believe that they are the best team in the East and I think it's really between them and the Boston Celtics but I would give them the edge because they've been able to do it consistently all year long and I think they were going kind of under the radar for a bit as well nobody was really talking about them and then you look up at the standings and they're sitting number one and we look at the odds the Bucks the favorites right now Chantel but only 40 cents ahead of the Celtics a little bit of a drop-off, more than $3 to Philadelphia. Chantel, as you look at this now, coming to the close of a regular season with the playoffs on the horizon, how many teams do you actually think can win the Eastern Conference? I think it's really between three teams. One of them I don't even believe in, so I don't know why I'm mentioning, but I do think the Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> have a chance with Joel Embiid having this MVP season. My only thing about them is we've seen James Harden have great regular seasons, and then he always kind of chokes in the playoffs where he doesn't show up in a big game, and that's huge. So that's the only reason why I don't believe in Philly, but I really think it's between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. Yeah. You know, the Celtics are just as hungry as they were last season, and and as for Milwaukee, if they're healthy, they're going to be an absolute problem. And I think they go all the way to the finals. But really, it's between the Bucks and the Celtics. Chantel, it's a great point, right? Philly makes sense. What we're seeing right now out of Joel Embiid at an NBA MVP level with how this team is playing, sitting in that third spot 
Yes, we should believe in the Sixers, but they have given us every reason come playoff time over the last few seasons to doubt everything that they do in the postseason. So the Boston Celtics starting to figure it out as well. They've won three straight, five of their last six after they started off March losing four of their first seven games. An 11 and a half point road favorite tonight, Chantel, in the nation's capital against the Wizards. So are you starting to build that confidence in Boston once again? Yeah, of course. And if you take a look at the standings, they're only two games back of the Bucks. At one point, we were also talking about Jason Tatum having an MVP season. They're healthy. Their starting lineup is stacked. And then you look at their bench as well, like guys like, you know, Brogdon, who's a great perimeter defender. You also have a guy like Derek White, who at one point stepped in and he was balling out. And you're like, man, Derek White's playing like an all-star because all the other guys are out. But still, this is a Celtics team that has a lot of depth. And they're going to be playing a Wizards team where there's so much talk where they might even just sit out. Cal Kuzma and Bradley Beal for the rest of the season because they're outside looking into the play-in as well and they've been struggling the Wizards have like dropped what 10 of their last 13 they're struggling right yeah. now so if the Celtics want confidence this is the game to also get it and I think they're going to be rolling into the playoffs as well eight of the last 10 for the Wizards they are three games outside of the Eastern Conference play-in tournament at this moment two teams that will factor it seems at this point in the eastern conference play in tourney the heat and the raptors toronto a three-point home favorite tonight against miami now we know the postseason pedigree of each of these two teams in the last five years or so in the eastern conference Chantel, you said there's really only two teams in your mind that can win that conference title in the east in the boston celtics and the milwaukee bucks i would be hard pressed to disagree with you but can either the heat or the raptors maybe cause a little chaos in the Eastern Conference postseason. Yeah, I think either of them can. But at the same time, both of these teams have been so up and down this season that I don't trust either of them, to be quite honest with you. Also mentioned it's Kyle Lowry's return to Toronto. So is he going to ball out? Is he going to be healthy? Raptors without Gary Trent, which is going to be absolutely huge for them. He's a key piece to this team. And Miami, I think it's a bigger game for them because they're actually tied with Brooklyn. And they could, at the same time, pass Brooklyn in the standings and not even be in the play-in. So I think it's a bigger game for them. And they lost to Brooklyn the other night. They got bodied by them. I think they lost 129 to 100. And Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler combined for 34 points if bam and jimmy want to be successful in the postseason they have to combine for more than 34 points but i think they get it done in toronto tonight i would take them straight up on the money line right now the nets and the heat have the same record 40 and 35 miami in action in toronto brooklyn does not play this evening with a victory the heat back into that sixth spot in the eastern conference standings we also have the Cavs and the hawks to play in teams last year that Atlanta got the better of. Cleveland, a one-point road favorite in the ATL this evening. Chantel Chan, thank you as always for joining us here on the morning after. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. Really appreciate it. We close out the show up next here on TMA. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here, live on this Tuesday on the morning after 
on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday. A significant day in the world of sports. 48 hours, about 49 hours now, away from the start of opening day in Major League Baseball. We're very, very close to a new season in MLB. Of course, the Final Four is on the horizon this weekend. The women get us started in Dallas on Friday to Houston, Texas. We go on Saturday in the men's big dance. Some thoughts on the futures market there coming tomorrow as well. But we'll focus on the NBA to round things out. A rematch of the Eastern Conference play-in tournament from a season ago that went the way of Atlanta. The Hawks in a play-in spot right now out east, hosting the Cavs, who sit in the fourth spot in the Eastern Conference standing. So before we say farewell, and before we say goodbye, it's time for an NBA game to discuss. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. All right, here's where we are as a team here on the morning after. Every game we break down for you, it is a team effort. And you'll see some wonderful graphics on display throughout our two hours each and every show. That's our talented graphics producer, Jesse Metzger. We want to make sure we include everything that we can, including the Cavs against the Hawks tonight in Atlanta that sees Cleveland as a one-point favorite. But then we have the insight of our production team behind the scenes. Of course, two wonderful basketball minds in John Shames and Joe Frizo. Well, Trey Young against the Cavaliers in his career, averaging nearly 28 points per game. His points prop tonight is only 25 and a half. There's a distinction. There's your best bet. Trey Young over 25 and a half points tonight against the Cavaliers. Kevin Walsh was wearing a Trey Young shirt. It is now Trey Young Tuesday on the morning after. Wednesday tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk next.